Have a seat, man. Oh, man, we are starting a new series today called Space. I know you want to say the final frontier, but that's not what we're doing. Space, space bar, space uh, race. I couldn't come up with anything. Space, because here's why. Everybody, that is a quality movie, by the way. He said space balls. That's, it's really good. <laughs> but uh, I hear everything, guys. So because everyone I talk to tells me this, I am so what? You ever hear this phrase? I am so, starts with a B, I'm so busy. Say busy. You busy? You weren't too busy to come today. Man, we're not too busy to be at church. Some of us are watching online. You tuned in, man, great. You don't tune, I get that. You click, some of you clicked in. But you're not too busy for that. Or, or I hear this, I just don't have time for that. You ever say that? What's another phrase we do? What are some phrases that we use to communicate with people that we don't have time for that? What is it? I'm swamped. I like that. Maybe today you're going to go out to your car, you're going to feel swamped. You're going to hear it on the roof. Uh, how about this? Uh, my plate is too full right now. It's like I sometimes I want to say, well, who, who put all that on your plate? <laughs> oh, I did. Okay. Maybe that's what we're going to talk about. How about this? We, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I'm busy, but I'm a good busy. You ever hear that? I say that one a lot. I'm a good busy. Okay. I get that. How about this? I want to be the right busy. You with me? I'm not sure. I really am not. I want to be the right busy. And so when I say we're going to make space, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make space for the right busyness. Busyness isn't a sin, but it can easily be a sin because we can fill up our calendar, we can fill up our plate, and then we complain that we can't do it. Anybody do that? I mean, our, our staff, every year, we plan months ahead, I know, and we plan months ahead, and sometimes I'll say, guys, Let's think like we want to be thinking in the month that we're planning. It's always like October, November, December. What will we be thinking in those months? We'll be wondering why we did all these things. That's what we're going to be thinking. And we're like, you're right, let's not do it. And then October, November, December comes, we're like, no, let's do it. Let's fill it up. Let's pile it on, right? So here's what I want to ask you. Is your busyness focused on the right things? Think that through. Is your busyness focused on the right things? How about this? It's another way to think of it. Does your busyness, does it lead to rest? That's a strange way to think about it, isn't it? Is it fulfilling or is it draining? Like the busier you get, do, is you feel miserable. Is your busyness fulfilling or is it draining you? And we're praying to the Lord in heaven that our gutters will drain because it's getting loud. I like that. That just means I got to get louder. So those two questions are what we're going to spend eight weeks on, including this week. Is my busyness in the right things? And are the things I'm doing, am I bringing life? Is it bringing life to me and others? Or is it draining me? Is it making me miserable? I want you to be thinking of that all along today because here's what I know about my life, my personal life, Mark, Pastor Mark, Dad Mark, all those versions of me that live in me, right? I know that I can juggle a few things at a time. You guys, you guys know that game, right? I know how to juggle a little bit at a time. I can keep some things going in the air. I kind of wrote down some things. I, I know how to have a job. I can hold it down. No amen, no agree. Thank you, thank you. You guys thinking about your car windows. Did you leave them up or not? I know how to coach a cross-country team and hold down a job at the same time. I can do that. I serve on a couple boards, you know, I can do that. I know how to do that. I know how to be a husband, be a dad, and uh, come to church at the same time. I can, I can do those things. But I know this about myself. I can quickly get too busy. And it happens like that. 
but I know how to juggle. I can keep it together for the most part. In fact, I'm going to illustrate it to you by juggling. Does anybody know how to juggle? Okay, I do, a little bit, all right? So here's what I got. I got one of our offering plates, and here's what I know. I can juggle one ball really well. Isn't that good? I can pass it out to somebody. Maybe they even pass it back. There we go. Oh, see, I can keep it together. Keep it together. I can even do two. Isn't that impressive? Are you impressed, Captain Warner? Thank you. Uh, I can do two like you wouldn't believe. I can even do two in one hand if I want to. Oh, sometimes, sometimes I drop it, but you know what? I pick it right back up because I know how to juggle two. I know how to juggle two things. You ready, though? I also know how to juggle three. I can do it. I can do three. I can do three. Whoop! And if I drop it, the thing is, I know that three, thank you, I know that I can do three. I can do three, and if I drop one, I know how to pick it back up. Not even that big a deal. Ryder, would you come up on stage and help me? This is something I've never done in front of a live audience. <laughs> when I say now, throw me that fourth ball. You ready? I need it about right here. All right, I'm doing three. All right, throw it to me. Okay, let's try again. Try again. All right. All right, ready? Ready? Throw it to me. <laughs> okay, one more. One more. One more. All right, here we go. Ready? Ready? All right. Throw it to me now. 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 Okay. Okay. Here's the, here's the reality. Thank you. Thank you. Help me uh, collect it. Here's the reality. I don't know how to juggle four. And you guys are like, I, I know that. I just saw you miserably fail in front of hundreds. Of, I can't juggle four balls. So how silly would it be if I kept trying and trying and trying and trying because I don't know my limit? I know my limit. It's three. I can do three. And if I drop one, I can pick it up. Thank you, Ryder, by the way. I know this, though. The second a fourth thing comes in, it isn't just like I juggle the three a little less good. I drop everything. And I really think that some of us are living beyond our capacity and we're not making space for the things that matter in our life. And what you're trying to do over and over and over, and you might be a two-ball guy. You might be a two-ball guy. You know what? Great. Good for you. Get it down. Figure it out. If you got to do it like this, that's fine. That ain't cheating. Who cares? It's not the circus. You know what I mean? Nobody's asking for their money back. But you got to know your limit. Are you in a position right now where you could say, even this morning, even over the next eight weeks, you go, man, oh, man, if I could come away with one thing, it's going to be to figure out what are the most important things that i got to keep going in my life. What is the area that I need to make space for? What do I need to figure out? What is going to be important to me? What will I spend time on? Where will I give my attention? Another way to say it, and I've already said it, is, is my busyness, that's what each of these represents, is my busyness focused on the right things is it bringing misery or life so let's spend some time figuring it out how we can bring rest into our life and also be in motion physics says you can't do that but jesus says you can you can actually be at rest and be in motion with jesus in fact jesus even says what come to me all who are what weary come to me all who are juggling four and you can't even keep one Come to me. Man, I need what? Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you what? Starts with R. I say it a bunch. Rest. I will give you rest. So where should we start? We're going to start with what I think is the keystone of the space equation. Are you ready? It is, I'm going to make space for wisdom. 
I'm going to make space for wisdom. I need wisdom in my life. Who in here thinks they could be more wise? Okay, good. You've already passed the first test. If you didn't raise your hand, you should have. Do I need to get the balls back out? Come on, you know? you you, got to have wisdom if you want to juggle anything. you got to have wisdom. I want us to say, I want to make space for some wisdom in my life. What even is wisdom? Why would I want that? Where do I get wisdom? If it's so important, where do I get it? Wisdom comes from the Lord. We will see that in a moment. We're actually going to look in Proverbs 1 here in just a moment. Wisdom is incredible. We often think of wisdom as, you know, that's just old guys with long beards and a staff, you know, Gandalf, Yoda, you know, things like that. Even, they're not real people, but we kind of get an idea of what wisdom looks like. And you think, well, I'm not that, so therefore I can't have wisdom. But what, what if I told you wisdom is actually very much available to you? It's very much available to you. You can be a wise person. Well, how do I get it? You ask the Lord to give it to you. There's a great story in the Old Testament, in, in the First Kings. It talks about a, a king. First Kings, there's a king in it. Imagine that. His name is Solomon, King Solomon. You say King Solomon? That's good. We're getting better, guys. We're starting to match the rain's energy. And uh, I'm going to quickly tell you this. God appeared to Solomon early in his reign. Some of you have grown up in church. You know how this goes, don't you? He appears to Solomon early in his reign, and he asks him what? He says, you ask for anything you want, and I will give it to you. Anything you want, and I will give it to you. What do you think Solomon asks for? Contextual clues, based on the sermon I'm preaching, should give you the answer. (laughs) Okay, what do you think he asks for? Give me wisdom. Even to this day, I read that, and I'm like, seriously, that's what you asked for? God of the universe, creator of all, said, I'll give you anything you want. You went with wisdom, not power, not money, not Super Bowl championships. This is what he got. Wisdom to perceive God's will and do it. That's what wisdom looks like. Wisdom to be a blessing to people. That's what this wisdom looks like. Wisdom to serve the way that God wanted. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Rob about this. Here's how he defines it. Wisdom is, it is skill and godly living. That is wisdom that he is asking for. And you know what God did? He gave it to him. He said, you want wisdom? I'll make you the most wise. He literally said that. I will make you. He says, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you will ever arise after you. So what did he look like? Did they go, well, here's your staff. Now you need to get a pointy hat and you need to get a beard and smoke one of them really long pipes. And then you'll be wise. No, that, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe Solomon had those things, but that is not what wisdom looked like. Here is what Solomon turned into. He became a great leader. Really, you could be, you could be a wise leader. I know that's hard for us to understand, but you can be. He, he, uh, he, he expanded the territories of Israel like no one ever did it before. He was a great builder. He knew how to build things physically, right? He built a temple that was one of the most magnificent structures ever built in the history of mankind. He was great with what? Money. How many video games have you played in your life where you got to go get Solomon's mind or something like that, right? That's why. Israel had unparalleled prosperity under this wise king's ability to control finance. But not just that. He was a great scientist. Did you guys know that? He was a great scientist. He was an expert in zoology. He was an expert in ornithology. And I know all of you all know what that is. What is it? 
Birds, all right, and botany. He did all that. How about this? He was a great soldier. He expanded his territory by might. Arts, he was a great artist. He wrote poems, prolific author, poems. He did paintings. He was a musician. He was like Da Vinci, Warren Buffett, Beethoven, Abraham Lincoln, Michael Jordan, who I will not debate with you is the best athlete ever. He was like all of those things, all in one person. How was he able to do that? Because he was wise. Because he was wise. Do you think he had trouble keeping them going? Or do you think he knew what to focus on and what not to focus on? Do you think he was busy? Do you think Solomon was busy? I guarantee he was busy. Do you think his calendar was full? It was. So, there are certain aspects, get this, there are certain aspects of Solomon's wisdom, right, that can, only God can give. So some of those things you just heard, like, it didn't like, all right, man, show us how to do that. No, it's, that's, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. There's some of those that were complete and total gifts for Solomon to be used on his people. But I believe that the, the essence of that wisdom is very much available to you. That God gives you wisdom. Why? So that you'll just be the smartest cat on the block? No, no, no. God gives you wisdom so that you can be a blessing to his people. God gives you wisdom so that you will know how to serve King Jesus. That is why God gives you wisdom. That is why you need to make space for wisdom in your life. That, that he wants you to bring life into situations, not draw it out of situations. So who wants wisdom? I'm not the one giving it out. You know that, right? I, I got to keep all I have. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had somebody tell you this? Listen, I'm super wise. You should come to me for counsel. Has anybody ever told you that? That's a flag. You know that, right? That's a total red flag. <laughs> That's a red flag like you've never heard. So what does a wise person look like? Look at Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. I'm going to read verse 7 first because it really positions the rest of them. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? You got to get louder. The rain is. Thank you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, pop quiz. Who gets wisdom? Based on that verse, who gets wisdom? People that fear the Lord. Who doesn't get wisdom? Fools. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be fear or do you want to be fool? You want to be fear. Proverbs 9.10 expands that. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't even have wisdom until you begin to fear the Lord. So, do you fear or are you a fool? So the Bible teaches, fear the Lord. That doesn't mean you're terrified of him. In the Hebrew, you would see this. Like you, that means you understand the value of him. You understand the weight of him. That he is in your life and you know that I fear him. That means I depend on him for everything. That is the beginning of Wisdom, knowing who God is. So, do you fear or are you a fool? Well, let's look. Let's see. Which one are we, right? It describes it in verse 1 through 7. The first thing is this. If you want to know what a wise person looks like, you want to be that person, here's what it looks like. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. Listen, I notice rain is loud, and I sleep with like a, a machine that makes this sound in my room. Don't let this drone you to sleep. Does anybody have to sleep with a fan on? Yeah, me too. Okay. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, 
to understand words of insight. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. How? How do they do it? Well, you, you take in the world in marvelous ways. You understand things. That's what wisdom looks like. Do, do you see things? Would you say you have insight on things? What wise people can see what's really going on. They see it. They, they, they want to know what is really going on here. Solomon could do that. We can do that. It doesn't mean that you become super smart. You got to hear me on that. It doesn't mean you become super smart. Get this. It's okay. I can be wise and still be bad at algebra. Thank the Lord that that is not a requirement. Because <laughs> I would be super hosed. God wants you to have it. Do you see you can be a blessing to those around you when you have that type of wisdom, insightful knowledge? You say, well, how do I know? How do I know that I have that? Just ask yourself some questions. Ask yourself some very simple questions. Do people ever come to you for insight? I don't mean advice. Do people come to you for insight? Has that been a theme in your life? Uh, do people come to you for counsel? Why would they do that? Because they must think that you have it. They must see you as a wise person. The fool thinks he's full of wisdom and isn't. But the one who fears the Lord knows where he gets his power. He knows where he gets his insight. Do you, as a wise person, do you seek out counsel from other people? Or are you just so sure of yourself that you're able to make this decision in a total vacuum without any input from anybody? Let me just ask, have you ever done that in your life? Can we see some hands if you've ever made a decision in a vacuum? I have. You see me? I'm raising my hand. How did it go? Was it great? Were you, were you, you're like the Steve Jobs of making decisions? No, you, you probably didn't go that well for you. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. Here's the second thing they do. Wise people have loving relationships. Loving relationships. Look what it says in verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and what? Equity. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Those are all relational terms. A wise person has loving relationships. Well, how? They, they deal in righteousness. They are worked out with God. They deal in justice. Thank you, Saeed. You're seeing the sweat from the juggling. From the juggling. They, they see the justice. They, they, they know how to work it out with others. They have equity. They understand fairness. That's wisdom, guys. They don't just take those things and put them into different categories. They say, wow, my relationships can be equitable. My relationships can be full of justice. My relationships can be full of righteousness. And I can't stress this enough. A wise person, people actually want to be around them. You know that, right? A wise person like, wow, I want to be around wise people. Why? Because they fear the God that loves them because they know how valuable he is. So if you say, oh, I am full of wisdom and discernment, but the way you apply that is harsh and caustic, then I really question whether you're wise or whether you're a fool. Loving relationships. Do your relationships look loving? Do they look like that? Are people built up or torn down around you? When you go to correct someone because you see a blind spot or some sort of accountability issue, does it come out as love or does it come out as just you're just beating them down? Are you helping heal brokenness or are you bringing more brokenness? 
And I get it, the world is mean, and I don't know your life. I totally understand that. But maybe you're not engaged in wise relationships if that's all you ever see. Are you handling people with wisdom? Or are you just kind of going after them? When, when I was younger, and I mean, I'm not that old now, right? But when I was younger, I, I, I had a real tendency to hurt people with my words. I would just, I'm not a fighter, I'm not a hitter, I've never been in a fight in my life, and I'm not wanting to start today, so some of you are like, well, we'll change that out in the parking lot. No, I will, no we can't, we're not going to change that. But I used to pride myself with being able to verbally destroy you, because I got a quick mind, quick wit. And at one time, a very wise person came to me and said, you know what, you have a real gift for words, it'd be a shame if it's the thing that destroyed you. And I listened. Because I wanted to be wise with my words. Would your friends say that about you? He's wise. He has loving relationship. Would your spouse say that about you? Would the people you live with say that about you? The people you work with? Are you approachable? Are you rebukable? How, how long into a rebuke will you listen before you start firing back? Going on the defense, right? How much correction can you hear from a person before you start punching back? Say, no, 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 that's not me. How about this? When you are in conflict of any kind, when you're in conflict with someone, are you approaching it as a loving relationship or are you just approaching it to be right? Think of it like this, like when you see someone who doesn't have the same bumper stickers that you do, how, how do you feel about that person? Do you want to show them your bumper sticker? My bumper sticker's better than your bumper sticker. I don't know that it is. I've yet to see anybody win an argument with a bumper sticker. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. Wise people have loving relationships. You ready for number three? Wise people give careful direction. In other words, they can discern. They can discern. It says in verse four, if you remember, we're coming after verse three. See that? I am good at math. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. Number four, to give prudence. That doesn't mean you're a prude. Normally people amen when I say you don't have to be a prude, but to give prudence, it means you're actually shrewd to, to be able to handle life, right? To the simple. That doesn't mean people that aren't smart. Knowledge and discretion to the youth, let me put it together, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. They can discern. Wise people discern. This is spiritual discernment, spiritual ability to be able to know what is right and what is wrong. Wise people know right and they know wrong. I, I had, this happened just recently with me. I was talking with some people and what they were doing, they were lying. And I was like, you are lying. And they're like, I'm so sorry, we made you mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I, I don't want to be lied to. You're lying. You can discern it spiritually. There, why, why do we need to be so discerning in our life? Does anybody think there's a lot of deception in the world? Can, can I just see some head nods? 
I mean, you see me up here, man, I'm sweating for you. It's raining, it's getting humid in here. Does anybody think there's some deception going on in this world? Do you think we need some discernment in this world? Do you think there are any blind spots in this world? Do you know what the problem with deception is? It's deceptive. It's deceiving. You don't even know you're being lied to. That's the best kind of lie, isn't it? The ones you don't even know that you're being lied to. You can't even figure it out. And we need to help those that can't see it. That's what the wise person does. They give careful direction. Careful direction. They use their wisdom to help others. I, I love that phrase there that, that Solomon uses when he says, to the simple, to the youth. It literally means to the people that haven't lived long enough to gain the proper amount of wisdom to know where they even need help. It's one reason I love our next-gen ministry. I love, love, love what we're doing here from birth all the way up to the time they graduate high school, we are teaching discernment, discernment, discernment. Yesterday, we dedicated, I don't even know. I don't even know how many babies, but there was 100 people there. That's what I know. Does anybody know how many babies we dedicated yesterday? It was like 10, right? Good. Bring them here. Show them you love Jesus in front of them. That's much better than anything you could ever do for them. Work out life's problems together as a family. Show them that. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you it again. If you are the father of a 13 to 18-year-old, I'm not saying moms can't do this because they kind of already do this, all right? But if you're a father of a 13 to 18-year-old, your kids need you more now than you ever thought they did ever in their life. That I know they want to be independent. I know they can do things on their own. They absolutely can. But what you need to know is they need you to tell them that you're proud of them. They need you to tell them that you are encouraging them. And you need to be their number one fan. Do you hear me on this? When we see everything going on, all these lies being told to us, all this death and violence in our city and the surrounding area, what I see is one simple through line. There are no fathers fathering. So please... 13 to 18, man, that is go time. Who in here has a 13 to 18-year-old? Guys, look around the room. That's a lot of people. Thursday night, can't just do it. Sunday morning isn't enough. They need dad. Moms, I'm not, I'm, I'm not leaving you out because I don't like you. It's moms kind of figured this out a long time ago. Dads, you've got to look at your son and daughter and say, I love you. How can I help you? What do you need from me? And if they give you the hand and don't want to talk to you, chase them. Chase them. Make them. Listen, I don't like to talk about Billy a whole lot. He's 14, right? Sometimes, here's what I do. Please don't go talk. Sometimes here's what I do. At night, he hates this, I think. I don't know. Maybe he loves it. But sometimes I'll just go lay in his bed. I'll just lay there. I got nothing to talk about with him. I'll just lay there. He'll be like, what are you doing? I'll be like, just laying there. Okay. Well, are we going to talk about something? We might. I don't know. I'm just laying here. Because it's night. I don't even care if you're on your phone. What do I care if you're on your phone? Everybody's on their phone. Everybody's on their phone all the time. People say, ah, oh, kids are always on their phone. Have you seen a 50-plus person? They're always on their phone. I've never heard a phone ring, though, at youth group. Can I just say that? Never once. Not one time. They know the vibrate thing on the side. But I'll, sometimes I'll just lay there. I'll just lay there. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to hear about? What do you want to talk to me about? What do you want me to show you? What are you going to show me? Spend time saying, I'm proud of you. I'm hugging you. I'm involved in your life. All right, side note over. I got to get off that one for a second. How do I know I lack this? How do I know I lack the ability to have discernment? Here's some things you can ask yourself. Do your plans always fail? You ever think about that? Do your plans always fail? How about this one? Are, are you always surprised? I can't believe that happened. <laughs> 
How about this? Do, on a regular basis, right? Like on a regular basis. How is your juggling? Are you trying to juggle more than you can handle? And you know it? You just can't seem to say no to anything? Do you keep falling into sin? That one's kind of tough, right? Like a lot. Wisdom teaches you not to fall into it. That you are able to say yes to God and no to that. If you, if you are in those categories, you need to pray to God to give you wisdom. You may lack discernment. You may lack the ability. When, when a host of good, wise people tell you something that maybe even you ask, but you don't believe them, then you lack discernment. When a 15-year-old is telling you their life plan, and you know that you know that you know that it's a dumb plan, you're allowed to say that, right? You don't say it out loud to them. You say what? Hey, let's talk about that. Let's see where that goes. Does your busyness lead you to rest, or is it draining you? So what do we got? Let's review. Wise people provide insightful knowledge. Wise people have loving relationships. Wise people give careful direction they can discern. Number four, wise people understand that they need wisdom in order to get wisdom. That's a puzzle. To understand a proverb and a saying, verse 6, the words of the wise and their riddles. What are you saying that I need wisdom in order to get wisdom? Yes. Well, how do I get wisdom if I don't have wisdom? It's kind of like when you went for your first job. You need experience. Well, I don't have experience. Then you can't work here. How do I get experience? Until I get experience. Wise people know that they need wisdom to be wise. Can I just tell you, and I told you at the very beginning, you ready? You ready? You want to know how to get wisdom you know what the missing piece is it's Jesus it's Jesus Jesus says come to me Jesus says I am the way do you know what that means I am wisdom I don't mean he is wise he is wise he is wisdom he is it we can get a lot of information we can get a lot of counsel Jesus says I am wisdom I am wisdom Follow me and you will know what? Wisdom. So the wise follows Jesus. Without Jesus, you will never figure it out. I just love, I don't know about you guys, I love stuff like this because here's the key. The Bible said like a thousand years before, if you want to know wisdom, you got to have wisdom. And so I don't know, I'm glad we don't live in the Old Testament time because they're like, well, we can't get it. We can't get wisdom. And then one day Jesus comes along and says, I'll tell you how to get wisdom, it's me. I am wisdom. I'll tell you how to, you don't have to try to juggle four things. I'm going to show you the three things you need to juggle, or the two things, or the one thing. Or maybe you don't need to be juggling right now. I don't know. I don't know what your life is. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying he is the one. He is it. He knows that we are foolish and we are led astray. So he says, follow me. I will bring you wisdom. Without Jesus, you will not be wise. You will be miserable. And he isn't waiting for us to figure it out. He's the wisest. He said, I will die for your foolishness. I will die for your foolishness. I know that you're a fool. I know that you will fall into sin over and over and over. I know that you will be inequitable in your relationships. I know that you will spend your life trying to justify something. I know that you will never fully understand righteousness. So I will die for your foolishness so that you can have what? Wisdom. So that you can discern what is right and wrong. So that you can live a life of loving relationships. So that you can make good choices. So that you can help the younger generation. But without Jesus, all you will find is foolishness. 
So I don't know what type you have or what type you want, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction, and expands that again in 9.10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So where are you at on your fear? Do you value the things of God? Do you understand who he is and what he is? Do you want to move from foolishness to wise? Or do you want to keep having people throw forth juggle balls at you and you you don't even know what you're doing anymore? Because you're so busy that you're tired all the time and you're miserable all the time. Or do you want to make space right now for the thing that matters the most, and that is Jesus. In fact, why don't we just bow our heads? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. We're going to pray to Jesus right now. We're going to pray that he would so fill us with his wisdom that it would be unmistakable. If you're here right now and you say, man, I'm a believer, but I'm living like a fool. then you just ask God to show you. He will. You say, God, show me where I'm being a fool. Show me. Maybe I need to get into a community group and be part of some wise counsel. I'm making too many decisions on my own. Where have I been a fool? Where have I tried to live in a vacuum? Where am I lacking discernment? What do my relationships look like? Oh, God, would you just drop wisdom on me for this time. I will never be like Solomon. That was a special time. But I can be wise so as to bring blessing to God's people. I can be wise so as to bring life into situations. Would you not just give that to me, Father, but would your people today cry out for that? And if you're here and you are lacking the one thing the one thing that brings wisdom. He has a name. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says that if I confess my sin, boy, can you imagine? Fools don't do that. If I confess my sin where I've messed up, where I've rebelled against God, if I confess my sin to God, he says he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. The Bible says God sent his son Jesus to die for my foolishness so that I could understand the value of God. And if you right now want to take that step, maybe you're weary, maybe you're tired, you've looked everywhere, it's time to look to Jesus. You can pray this right now with me. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you came in humility for me. You died on the cross You rose from the grave. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. From this day forward, I will follow you. And I will learn to be wise. In your son Jesus' name, amen.